Oh, praise God. You got honkers in the parking lot. You know, I don't think we'll ever get away with that. I think no matter what happens in the days ahead, we're just going to have to have people staying in the parking lot honking their horns, you know. Praise God. But like I told y'all that this is the time that we've got to take over the, uh, 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 the Marine saying of improvise, adapt, and overcome. Uh, that's all we can do right now. We don't know what's going on. We don't know how everything's going to work out. But all we can do is improvise, adapt, and overcome it. And so we're taking things along in stride. And praise God, I pray that you're blessed. I pray that your you know, household is blessed and, and your family's blessed. You can always send us emails, call us, text us something, uh, respond back on the, on the uh, uh, you know, via Facebook or whatever, just to let us know what's going on. Because, uh, man, I'm telling you, today's are days that we, we got to be on top of things. And so, you know, I, I want to encourage you still to reach out to your friends, reach out to all those around you, let people know that you're thinking of them, get a scripture, send a scripture out, text them a scripture, text them a handshake, do something to just let people know that you know they're out there and that you love them. Amen? Uh, I want to remind you about the plan this week. Luke chapter 22 was the plan for this week. And so take that time to read that with your family and look at it and study it and see what God wants to say to you through it. And, um, you know, like I said, today's is a day that we need to just keep ourselves all in touch with what's going on and to keep ourselves, uh, you know, don't let yourself get isolated. Don't you let yourself feel like you're in isolation or in prison in your home because there is no distance in spirit. So reach out to people, encourage people around you, make it a new ministry right there, just texting people a scripture every day or something, you know, start something inventive and bless people. So um, praise God, I want to I wanna get into the message tonight. I talked about Sunday, about a message I called, well, I don't actually know what we called it, but uh, I had written down in my notes, praying from the position of the throne, I don't know what we call the thing praying from the throne, because, you know, this whole resurrection season has just got me stirred up thinking about the power of the resurrection and what Jesus did for each and every one of us. And I want to encourage you to go back and look at that message and, and just keep reviewing it, keep looking at it, about how you were seated with Christ in heavenly places, about your position by the Spirit when you were born again, when you gave Jesus your life, you didn't realize it at that moment because you didn't have any knowledge of it. You didn't know what was going on because you didn't really, you just got saved. You're just happy you got saved. You're just happy your sins are forgiven, happy you were headed to heaven. But we didn't know at that moment all the things that Jesus had done for us until we began to read the Word and learn the Word. Then as you grow into it, well, then you, you get an understanding of what's going on. And, and so, you know, I'm, I've been trying to show you here that positionally you're seated at the right hand of the throne of God that you're in Christ. And man, that's a powerful thing, that you are in Christ. That's your position. You're not trying to work your way through the crowd up to the throne. You're already sitting on the throne. You're already sitting on the throne in Jesus. And so that whole message was about that. So I don't want to take too much time to go back and review that because it'll just eat up all my time tonight. But I want you to be thinking about that as I go into this next phase of the, of the message here. Let me get to it here. And you're not going to like it too much, but, you know, you're in your home, and you, if you want to throw tomatoes, well, then you just have to throw them at the TV, I guess. But I want you to get your Bibles out and go to the book of Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Romans 12, 1. 
Now, this is scripture we read all the time. You, you probably know it by heart. And you're going to listen to this message tonight. And do not turn me off. Don't, turn, don't reach for that dial right there. Don't turn me off. Because this message is, 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 is important for everything I've been preaching for the last couple of weeks, to get it settled down into our hearts. But it's going to take some effort on your part. It's going to take some work on your part. So I want to show you this. Romans 12.1. It says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. You know, I think if Jesus is willing to go to the cross and die for us, we should be willing to live for him. Amen? And do not be conformed to this world. Folks, right now, this world is wanting to conform you into fear. This world is wanting to conform you into a, a mindset and a way of thinking that is not in line with the Word of God. Okay? You've got to be careful. I saw a, a, a little clip the other day of a company that's produced a, a chip that you can that they were inserting. They were doing it right on television. They were inserting the chip into people in this company, and then they had the chip in them, and they could walk up and get a candy bar, buy it, scan themselves with the little chip in them. Man, you know, you're not going to get no chip in me. Amen? I don't care what they come up. I don't care how they say, how convenient it is. I don't care whatever. Man, I am not going to take the mark of the beast, okay? And so uh, you, you may say, well, Robert, you're just being religious. Whatever. Man, it don't make no difference. It don't make no difference what. I, you know, it's not going to chip me, okay? But people, you get conformed, they get to hearing and say, oh, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. That's how we lose our rights. That's how we lose our freedom. Because you begin to give in a little bit, and then, you know, the, the enemy, he always comes back to take more. Listen, the devil always take you farther than you want to go. You hear me? He'll always take you farther than you want to go. You think, oh, it's just a little bit of sin. He'll always take you farther than you want to go. He'll always keep you there longer than you want to stay, and he'll always cost you more than you want to pay. It's the end of the story. And so we cannot be conformed to this world. We cannot give up our rights. We cannot give up our freedoms. We cannot give up our truths of the Word of God. You know, I, I, through all of this stuff going on, and churches trying to, you know, uh, figure out how to meet and stuff, and we hear about in different uh, states, uh, crazy rules and regulations going on. But, you know, folks, I just think it's amazing that this country was founded by a godly group of men that sat down and wrote a constitution, and in their constitution, the first, con the first amendment they put in the constitution was the right for us to assemble religiously and for government not to get involved in it. Now, that right there is a statement that shows you what the heart of those men were. They wanted a country to be founded on a belief in God. And then I love it, the second one they came up, it's like, I, like I, you know, y'all know how I am, I got a big imagination. But everybody's sitting around saying, okay, now what's important? They say, okay, well, but, you know, we ought to be able to meet and everybody can meet and have their own religious duty. Okay, we're going to do that. Write that one down. Somebody write that one down. And then they said, well, what are we going to do next? So, well, we ought to be able to have our guns. Okay, write that one down. Too. You know, that was the second thought within their mind. Man, the, the church and keeping our guns. I mean, first two amendments, okay, to the Constitution. And so they didn't want to give up anything. Hear me now. I may be on my soapbox a little bit, but I'm telling you, they didn't want to give up anything. And the minute you start conforming to this world, you're giving up truths of God's Word. And when you start giving up truths, you're giving the devil place in your life to come in there and steal from you. So look what he said. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Everybody say that. Transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, 
you know, I wish I could tell you. I wish I, you know, y'all know, I told you, if I had a gold pot of pixie dust that I could throw on you, Holy Ghost special anointing something that I could sprinkle on you, and you just were like, you know, perfect after that, I'd do it. But I, it says here, if you want to be transformed, truly transformed and be like Christ and have an understanding of sit, what it means to sit at the right hand of the throne of God, that you've going to have to renew your mind because your mind didn't get saved. Your mind didn't get the resurrection power in it that you were, you were just all of a sudden taken over by the Holy Ghost and he gave you the thoughts. It didn't work like that. And I'll tell you why. Because God never wanted to take your free will. God never wanted to steal your, take your free will from you, steal your free will from you. He never wanted to, to do what founding fathers said. We want to have free ability to assemble and, uh, and, and have our own worship. He said, God said, I don't want to take their free will from them. So I'm not going to just come in there and possess their minds. They're going to have to give up those parts of their minds that are full of doubt and unbelief, full of non-truths. They're going to have to give it over to me. And as they do that, I will transform their lives that then their spirit, soul, and body can line up with me and truly be servants of God. Amen? But in transforming and renewing our minds, it takes effort. You're not just going to be able to go to sleep with your head on your Bible and wake up the next morning and know what it says. You know, it's just like I've always said, we all want the pill that we just take the pill and the next morning we wake up, we're a perfect body mass index and we're just full of energy and strength and life. But it doesn't work like it. You have to work at that. You have to exercise. That's a terrible word. I know you don't like it, but exercise. You've got to exercise. You're not going to get healthy unless you exercise. But you know, it's amazing. Doctors are doing more and more studies saying that if you just got out of your house and you just walked, not like speed walked, not like, you know, like, like walk jogged, not like run walk, but you just walked, just got out of your house and walked into the air, walked and did exercise, even as minimal as it is, that it would add years to your life. So do we want to do it or not? You know, are we going to take the effort to get out and walk or not? Are we going to take the effort to exercise or not? Are we going to say, ah, I just want to play my odds on this deal, do what I want to, eat, drink, and be merry, and live as long as I do, and then I just die and go on? Well, you know, you just don't know how that's all going to work out. That's not wisdom. Neither is it wisdom as a Christian to get saved, know that your sins are forgiven, know that you're going to go to heaven, but never walk in the authority or the power that Christ died for on the cross for us to live for our lives and other people's lives. Hear me. Listen. Listen. Turn your TV up. Turn your phone up. I'm telling you, I'm preaching good. I'm preaching good. You cannot just sit there as a Christian, and say, well, I got it made into heaven, so let's not do anything else. Yeah, but what about your neighbor that needs to know about Jesus? What about your, your relatives that need to know about Jesus? What about people that will get sick, and they need you to lay hands on them so that God can work a miracle in their life and heal them? What about those people? What about the orphans that need to be rescued? What about those of you that <clears throat> God wants to give plans for you know, great inventions, even in this time right now, witty inventions in this time right now. 
that he wants to give to you so that you can become wealthy and we can rescue more orphans. I know it, it takes a sacrifice. It takes a sacrifice. And so let me just tell you something here. Knowing truth, just knowing truth, does not make it effective in your life. You can know what the Bible says, and that's not going to really benefit you. You just know what it says. No, the Bible comes to life when you know truth, and then you begin to put that truth into effect, into a working in your life that you see results. You can know what the Bible says. There's, man, there's people in colleges and institutions today, they know what the Bible says. And they may teach a class on the Bible, but they don't know the revelation of it because they've never applied it to their life and worked in faith in the Word to see it do something. Hear me now. I'm preaching good. I'm preaching good. Look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 20. Ephesians 4, 20. It says, But you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard Him and have been taught by Him, as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, that you may put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. You're not going to walk in the true man of your life, the true man or woman of God that you are in your life, until your mind becomes renewed to the truth of God's Word. You can know that Jesus... You can believe in the resurrection. Oh, yeah, third day Jesus resurrected, and then stone kicked back, angel came in there, everything happened, I saw Mary's out here for four days. You can know all of that, but you can just know it just like it's a story. It's when revelation knowledge comes on the inside of you because you've been renewing your mind to the Word of God that there's power in the resurrection for you today. And you begin to act upon that, that then you see things start happening, start changing. You hear what I'm saying? You can know it, but just know it like a story. It ain't going to do you any good. And this is where I'll go back to what I said Sunday. Too many people have stopped short. I preached this even last Wednesday. Too many people have stopped short. They have said, oh, well, I'm not saved. My sins are forgiven. I thank you, Jesus, you forgive me. And I know I'm going to die and go to heaven. And they quit right there. They don't go on to the power of the resurrection. That we can have power in our life to be godly men and women upon the face of this earth and help others. Let's look at another scripture. Go to Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. Colossians 3, 1. He says, Now if you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. He says, if you were raised with Christ, then you go, the next step is you're going to seek the things above, not the things of this earth. You know, like right now, I'm doing a lot of praying about, God, what do you want to do in the future? What do you want to do? What, since all of this has taken place and all of this has gone about, what do you want to do? And, you know, I said just off the cuff when this all started, I said, well, y'all are all meeting in your homes. You know, you're, we've just started 100 new churches is what I said. 
But you know, now I'm not so sure that God's not trying to do something like that. I'm not so sure that God's not trying to reach out and touch people in different ways and through different methods through all the things that we've come up with and we've done. I mean, we never dreamed about parking lot church. Well, actually, I did dream about parking lot church a long time ago, but I, I didn't have any idea it would be this. And what I'm saying to you is, right now, you may not, not, you may not know what to do in your life. You may be questioning, well, what's going to happen to my business? What's going to happen here? Listen, the answer's in heaven. Hear what I'm saying to you. The answer's not on this earth. The answer's in heaven. God will speak to you, God will lead you, and God will show you what you need to do, but you have to seek the things above, and that takes time, and that takes effort on your part in spending time in the presence of God, spending time reading the Word, spending time where you're worshiping Him and asking the questions and sitting down quietly and listening. You hear what I'm saying? Listening. We're pretty bad at listening. A lot of us are really good at talking, but we're not too good at listening. I'm not really impressed with somebody that can pray eloquent prayers. I want to know if they can listen and hear from heaven. That's what I want to know. Now, he said, set your mind on things above, not on things of this earth, for you, you, have, you died and your life is hidden with Christ and God. You were already engineered by the, re, by the renewing of your spirit, by the born-again spirit on the inside of you. You're already engineered to hear from heaven. You're already engineered for your spirit man to touch heaven and to enter into the presence of God. You're already engineered for that. Your body isn't because you get a new body when you go to heaven, so these bodies don't work in heaven. But your spirit man, the real you on the inside, he's already engineered to hear from heaven. He's already engineered to touch heaven, to find out what's going on, and then, you know, to get the answer that you need. Let's look, at, look, look on down the, in verse 8, Colossians 3, 8. Paul goes on and he says, But now you yourselves are to put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created you. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncision, barbarian, uh, single slave, nor free, but Christ is all and in all. He says, you're going to have to put on the new man that is renewed. Now, this is where the exercise comes in. You're not going to be renewed if you don't spend any time in the Word. You're not going to be renewed if you live your life by sense knowledge. All right? If you live your life by sense knowledge, just what knowledge you can see in gaming, I mean, folks, listen to me, you cannot just watch the news and then believe that what they say is true and that's going to happen like that. Okay, listen to me, you can't do that. Don't sit around and watch the evening news and then plot your course in life by that. Now, you, you know, you can gain knowledge or something, but you, you need to submit all that into the throne of God and what's going on. Because if you listen to the news or you read the news, man, it steals all the faith from you. You've got nothing but fear. We're all going to die. We're all going to just end up in the ditch. And, and I'm telling you, that's not what's going to happen. That's not what my Bible says. 
My Bible says that everything we put our hand to prospers. My Bible says that I'm the head, not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. My Bible says that Jesus came to give me life and life more abundantly. Amen? So if you listen to what the world says, it's not right. That's not what they're preaching. That's not what they're saying. So you have to renew yourself. Now let's look at a person here who fell into this trap. And I know, you know, again, here's a story you know, Doubting Thomas. But go to John chapter 20, verse 24. I want to show you something here. Gospel of John chapter 20, verse 24. It says, Now Thomas called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. Now the other disciples therefore said to him, We have seen the Lord. And he said to them, Unless I see his hands and the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Now that's pretty you know, that's pretty graphic. I mean, man, I mean, Thomas is like, he's like, okay, so if Jesus, you know, appeared in the room, I'm not really going to believe it unless I can stick my finger in this hole. That's, that's a lot of doubt and unbelief, all right? Because Thomas in his mind had said they crucified him. I saw him on the cross dead. I saw him dead. I saw him crucified. I don't see how he could rise from the dead. I've never heard of anybody rising from the dead. I've never heard that. But you see, that's really not true. Lazarus came up out of the tomb. The young man at Nahum, Jesus took the coffin, and he was raised. Yet they were came back to life to die another day. But still, he could have at least thought of that. He could have thought, well, I saw Jesus raise Lazarus from the tomb. Maybe that's it, you know. But he didn't have any of that. He's like, I don't believe it. And all of his, what do they think? Is it the, what did he think of the rest of the guys in the room, the rest of the apostles in there? He just think that they're, you know, smoking peyote or something, you know, and they, they just had a vision or, you know, uh, you know, or something, you know? I mean, what was he thinking about this? Because that's his friends he's been living with, and he's telling every one of them that they're crazy. So then he goes on. He said, after eight days, the disciples were again inside, and Thomas was with them, and Jesus came. The doors being shut and stood in the midst and said, Peace to you. And he said to Thomas, reach, here your, reach your finger here and look at my hands. And reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. Now, two things I want you to see here. Jesus came back and met Thomas right where his point of unbelief was. But the thing was, he already heard Thomas say it. In other words, Jesus didn't appear in the room, and then one of the, you know, Peter went up to him and said, hey, Lord, you know, you, you mind going over there and showing Peter your hand? Because he, you know, he, he said he wasn't going to believe it was really you unless he could see your hand in your side. And no, Jesus came and he already knew what was going on. How do you know that? Because of the Spirit. Now, hear what I'm saying. Jesus heard what Thomas said. He wasn't in the room at that moment, but he heard what Thomas said by the Spirit. Or in the Spirit. Now here's something scary for you. Jesus knows what you're saying right now. Jesus knows your thoughts. He knows your doubts. He knows your unbeliefs. He knows your criticisms. He knows all the things that are going on. And let me tell you something. He still absolutely loves you. Don't get condemned for this. Yeah, give me a honk for that one. He he doesn't condemn you. He loves you. And like Thomas, he appeared in him to show him their hands. I believe in these days Jesus is going to show himself strong to you 
Because he wants to root out all your doubt and unbelief. He wants to root out everything in you that's full of doubt and unbelief and show you there's a better way to live than the way you're living. Being conformed to this world and not transforming yourself into the renewing of your mind. So Jesus knows what you're thinking. He knows what you're saying. So then he told Thomas, he said, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Now here y'all all get into it. Every one of us get into this last verse. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. That's us. We didn't see him crucified. We didn't see him in that room. We didn't see him physically standing there. But that's us, all of us believers now. So you got in that right there, all right? So this brings us to John chapter 2. I mean, excuse me, James chapter 2. James chapter 2, verse 14. It says, what does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith, but he does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say to them, depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give him the things in which are needed for his body, what does it profit him? Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith and without your works. And I will show you my faith by my works. You, you believe that there is one God. You do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. But you do not know, a foolish man, that faith without works is dead. So James is trying to get across to his church and get them to understand something. He's like, if you have faith in something, then there's going to be a, a corresponding action that comes about it. You see, faith can't just be faith if it doesn't have any action to it. So in other words, it doesn't do any good to say, well, I'd really like to bless the orphans of Guatemala, but you don't do anything with it. You see, you, your, your faith didn't have action to it, so the money was never given, so the, they never received it, right? That's, it doesn't work by just saying, well, I'm just going to have faith. No, you have to have faith with some action. Okay, it doesn't do any good to say, yes, I believe the Bible's true. I believe all that's in the Bible's true. But if you don't put some action to it and read it and renew your mind to it, you're not going to walk in the truths of it. You have to get up and you have to read your Bible. Every morning, my wife and I, I'm not asking you to do something I don't do, because see, I learned a long time ago that this was, just, was the only way I was going to live in life. My wife and I get up every morning, we, we sit there and we read our chapters, we drink our coffee, we read, we read our Bibles. And we go over, 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 and we go over. We discuss back and forth. She said, oh, look at her. Look what it says. Look at this proverb here. Look at this psalm here. Look what it says right here. And she preaches to me. I preach to her. We go through there, and we read, and we read, and we read. Some mornings we have less discussion. Other mornings we'll have a whole lot of discussion. But we read. Why do we read? Because we're, we're renewing our minds to the Word of God. We're reminding ourselves of what God's promise is. You know, <clears throat> This may be a bad example, but it's the only one I got. You know, a battery in a car or a battery on your electric gate opener or, or something, something like that, it's always taking energy. It's always, it's always using energy that's stored in the cells of the battery. And if you just let it sit there and you didn't have like a solar charger or some way like that or a battery charger that you hooked up, you know, and plugged into electricity and hooked it up right there or whatever, that battery is going to go dead. It will not keep its charge forever. 
There's no battery made that can produce its own energy. The battery sits there, it's got juice in it, and it's going to run, but even your car has an alternator on it. It has some source to put juice back into your battery while it's running. If you don't put word back in you all the time, then what happens to you is you're dealing with life and its confusions and its fears and it's all the things that are coming about at you at life, and you're expelling spirit out of you, but you're not putting nothing back in you. Jesus said in John 6, 63, he said, the words I speak to you, their spirit and their life, you're not getting anything put back in you. So what happens? You get tired. You get grumpy. You get discouraged. You begin to see that everything looks dark. Everything looks black. Nothing, you know, it ain't going to be anything. Why? Because you haven't had enough juice put back in you from heaven, from the presence of God, the power of God, from you sitting at the right hand of the throne of God, talking to the Father, you haven't had enough time with Him to keep you in balance. You're getting low. Okay? So then what happens is you don't have any action to your faith. You know it's there. You know what the truth says, but you're not having any action to it. See, I'm believing for y'all as a church that when we gather ourselves back together, we're going to be stronger and more powerful than we've ever been. I'm believing that people are going to come in here as sons of God, full of the resurrection power, who know their position to seat at the right hand of the throne of God. And when I stand up here and say, pray for, that, pray for your neighbor, when you lay hands on him, you're praying as a son of God, and things happen and things move and things, man, things come about. I'm believing that there's going to be more power in the church than it's ever been before. But it's going to take us totally and completely renewing our minds to the Word of God. So I'm going to leave you with this. I've got five little things. I think you should write them down. You should remember these and write them down. So we can learn to exercise our faith. The first one is, we must study the Word of God so we know what's truth. How you do that is up to you. But you've got to get more word in you than you've got. Okay, it's the first point. You've got to study the word of God so you know what's truth. The second one is you have to meditate on what you've read. You've got to mull it over in your mind. You've got to just keep churning it over and over all day long what you've read. You've got to keep bringing it up in your spirit and looking at it and say, God, you know, okay, your word says this and this. You've got to keep chewing on it all day long. You don't just have a little short Bible study in the morning and then go about your day and never think about it again. That, that won't work for you. Because the devil's going to steal the word that was sown in you that morning before you get home that night, and you'll be right back to the same place again. Okay? The third one is, we must speak the word of God out of our mouths. This looses the power of God so his word can take effect. You've got to then begin to speak. You've got to begin to, you know, like all the confessions that I give you and the scripture cards I've given you, you need to say it. Boy, I'm a son of God. I've been born again. I'm washed in the blood of Jesus. I have resurrection power in my life. I am seated at the right hand of the throne of God. The good hand of God is upon me and I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. You need those words coming out of your mouth because like Jesus said in John 6, 63, the words that speak to their spirit and their life, life is coming out of your mouth, truth is coming out of your mouth, and it will have an effect on whatever's going on in your day. 
You cannot just internalize it. You can't just think about it, be quiet, and be silent. It has to come out of your mouth. And I'm telling you, the more you say it out of your mouth, the more you're going to see an effect of the Word of God in your life. I'm really big on uh, uh, that, that I, I'll take my phone and I will, <clears throat> you know, like copy scriptures and paste them over in my notes and then I have them there. And then I just open up whatever folder I want on whatever the scriptures are for and I'll just go run through those scriptures and I'll just quote them. I'll speak them out of my mouth. I'll read them out loud. I'll talk to the Lord and say, man, that's a good one, Lord. That's a real good one. I like that one. That was good, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And I'll just speak that. I'm going to go over the next one, go to the next one, go to the next one, go to the next one. And I do that all during the day. Because that's the, I know that's the way when you lose the word out of your mouth, it's going to bring power. You're going to see something work. Okay, so then the fourth thing we're going to do is you, get, you must root out all places of doubt and unbelief from your hearts by challenging the doubt and unbelief with God's truth or God's promise to you. You have to challenge yourself in those areas of doubt and unbelief. Do you hear what I'm saying to you? You've got to challenge yourself because if you don't challenge yourself, you know what's going to happen? You're just going to grow content and complacent where you're at and you're not going to want to move on. So you've got to challenge yourself. So how do you know where your areas of doubt and unbelief are? Well, the Bible says out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth's going to speak. So if you find those places, oh, God, I don't know how you're going to do this. I don't know what you Oh, that's a place of doubt and unbelief. So you've got to challenge yourself there. You don't know you can forgive somebody. You don't know what this is going to happen. You don't know, you know, those are areas of doubt and unbelief in your life. You have to challenge yourself. You got to root it out of your hearts. The Holy Ghost will help you and he will bring things to your attention, but you got to have eyes to, 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 and ears to hear it and to see it. Oh, I see what you're saying, Holy Spirit. You're trying to, yeah, that's a place of doubt and unbelief you're trying to challenge me on. Are you listening to me? Hopefully you hadn't turned me off yet. Hey, it happens to me all the time, church. I have not reached, and you will never reach the place that you just said, oh, I have arrived. I have all faith for all things. No. I get challenged all the time. I hear something come out of my mouth, and I think, what am I saying? What am I saying? You know, even with the church and anything, what's going on, do you know how hard it was? For my wife and I who have worked for 27 years pastoring this church, so all of a sudden we can't meet and there's no one in here. We went, I mean, I have never not preached to anybody. We've had small groups in the very first days, but I never had no one in church. And to see them all gone and not to have the devil come in and start picking at my brain and saying, oh, yeah, look what, all you've done, it's all gone. I said, no, it's not. God takes everything. He's going to turn for good. It's going to be more powerful. I had to come back at him with the word of God and say, no, 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 that's not what happens. When I put my hands to prosper, I'm doing what you said to do. We're going to prosper. We're going to be bigger than we've ever been. We're going to reach more people than we've ever been. We're populating heaven right now, no matter what I see, because I'm not looking with my eyes of my head. I got to look with my eyes of the spirit. We all have challenges. And so maybe Something's gone on in your life and you're challenged with it right now. Well, then that doesn't mean you stay there and you look at it. No, you grab hold of the promise of God. You begin to challenge those areas of doubt and unbelief and say, no, that's not, doesn't line up with the promise of God. Now, the fifth one, the last one here, 
is we must be steadfast and continue the process until we get to heaven. That's the part I want to tell you. It'll never, it'll ne- you'll never reach it. You, you're not going to, not until the day we step over into heaven. Can you stop this process? All right? Now, again, I don't know why I thought of all these examples today. Maybe it's I was working outside too much, but, you know, the, you're probably not supposed to do this, but I've seen my dad do it most of my life. If you've got a motor that won't start, you know, not on your new electronic vehicles and everything that's fuel injected, but on your old carbureted motors, whether it's a lawnmower or a welder or, you know, you have a, a vehicle that still has a carburetor on it, and it wouldn't start. Well, you could get a can of ether, and you could op- take the, the breather off the, the carburetor there, and you give it a little squirt and start that baby up, and boy, it'll run. It'll, run, it'll start right up. That ether goes down inside. That makes everything fire. And man, it'll run, and then if, you, if it starts to die, you spray a little more, and it'll, start, it'll rev back up. Well, you can't live your life as a Christian like that. You get one shot of ether, so you just run, and then die, you know, because, you know, you quit reading your word, you quit being faithful, and you quit being consistent, you quit getting the doubt and unbelief, and so then you die. And then you shoot another shot of ether, and a little bit, and then you just die. That, man, folks, listen, it's a steady, even run all the way to heaven. That's what you want in life. You don't want this up and down and up and down. You want a steady, uphill run all the way to heaven. Till when you get to heaven, you step right in the, day, the door, and you've built your whole you know, stairs and your whole bridge all the way up there to heaven. You've just been going up and up and up and up and up in your whole life. So I just want to encourage you tonight. These last three weeks have been some powerful messages. There's been some great revelation going out. Don't just let it sit and fall to the ground. Grab hold of it. Grab hold of the power of the resurrection on the inside of you. Grab hold of it. You're seated with Christ in heavenly places. I'm going to get more into these messages uh, probably in the weeks ahead about, about learning how to pray from heaven and, 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 and all that. But I just felt like tonight I needed to just challenge you. Man, you have got to break down some barriers. You've got to break down some walls. You've got to keep going on with Jesus. Amen? Praise God. Well, look, I'm glad. Listen, if you're out in the parking lot and, and tonight you have an offering, uh, we'll have a bucket out there in just a minute. Yeah, For those of you that are at home, I want to pray over your offerings, pray over your finances before we close the service tonight. So just get your offerings there. Get your hands on your checkbooks. Get your hands on whatever there. And let me pray. Father, I just declare that we are a blessed church. Those out there watching, listening, those tithers and givers to Living Waters Church, I declare they are blessed. The tithers and givers of the water hole, I declare they're blessed. And I thank you tonight for prospering them, for blessing them, for moving in their lives in ways that they couldn't even imagine. I declare, Lord God, that these offerings tonight, all that have been given in, Lord God, are blessed. Your hand is upon it. And Lord, we thank you for it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Now, church, listen to me. We'll be back Sunday. We'll have another live broadcast on Sunday. Make sure you encourage people to watch. Find out your friends. Send them all out a text or whatever. Let them know we're on. And God bless you. And be blessed and be encouraged in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.